and I'm tired. That's what I'll say. However, I'm going to continue to educate. I'm going to continue to let my kids know their rights. And I'm going to continue to pray and cover everyone around me. So at the end of the day, prayer, that that is what keeps me sane. My faith is what keeps me sane. But it doesn't stop us from being exhausted. Being a Black mother in America right now is truly exhausting, truly tiring, truly frustrating. And I just pray that soon brighter days are coming. Thank you for tuning in every week. Your support certainly does not go unnoticed. If you truly love the More Than a Mother podcast, please remember to share, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. The more you share, the more you review, the more moms this show can reach. Let's keep spreading the word about the greatness of the More Than a Mother podcast so that other moms can feel inspired and motivated just like you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the More Than a Mother podcast. Season five is here, and I am so excited to be back with you again. If this is your first time ever catching the podcast, ever catching one of the episodes, my name is Lawan Moses, and I am the creator and host of the More Than a Mother podcast. At More Than a Mother podcast, we believe you can pursue your dreams and be a great mom at the same time. Here we are uplifting, educating, and empowering moms on their business and motherhood ventures. I am also a productivity and success coach for busy mompreneurs, and I am helping moms to master your mindset and own your time so you can truly make space and make room in your life for the things that you love, the things that you enjoy, make room for your goals so that you can get out here and crush your goals, slay those dreams, and truly live the best life you can for yourself. I am so excited to have you here and welcome if you are a first-time listener, if you are a long-time supporter, welcome back. You know I love having you here, love communicating with you all and staying connected and everything. And I am just so glad to have everyone back here again for season five of the More Than a Mother podcast. Now, before I jump into all of the great things that are coming in season five of the podcast, I really would be remiss if I did not address just the state of Black motherhood in the United States right now. It wasn't my intention to come back to the More Than a Mother podcast with an episode like this. I mean, I truly have some great guests lined up for you, but I really felt like as a Black mother in America, as a mother in America, I truly could not start this season and continue like business as usual without stopping to address the things that are currently happening around us, the things we are enduring and the things that we are just having to see from day to day that is truly having a lasting impact, causing all sorts of trauma and really just affecting the black community, black motherhood, black people on so many different levels. There is a lot that is happening, a lot that is going on right now. And it is really, as I just said, having an impact on Black mothers, on Black people in general. Now, to give you a little background for those of you that may not know me, I want to just put a disclaimer out there and start this. That this conversation is really simply just to educate, empower, inform in that angle. This is not a bashing session. This is not a pointing fingers those type of things is really speaking to the things that I see, that I witness, that I live from day to day. And it is no means to bash anyone. If you don't know, I have worked in the criminal justice field for my entire career. So I have much respect for 
law enforcement, for criminal justice. But yes, there is such a need for reform. I have family members that are in law enforcement, et cetera. So therefore, and friends. So I just want to put this disclaimer out there for anyone listening that this is not a bashing session and all of that. It's really meant to educate, really meant to put the information out there and show that perspective because there is just so much that is happening. It's affecting, as I said, trauma, causing trauma on so many different levels that I would really just couldn't go forward and start this season, jump into my mom empowerment, women empowerment, everything that is going on and not recognize the plight and fight that fight that is going on right now, especially when it comes to Black mothers in America. Now, this past week, we saw the conviction of Derek Chauvin for his murder of George Floyd. Now, back in June 2020, I did two episodes, episodes 31 and 32 of the podcast, one talking about white allyship and why we need the white allies to show up, and then another talking about unlocking the power of diversity through allyship. And again, those were teaching episodes, teaching moments meant to educate so that we could really start to come to a common ground, a common understanding of what Black mothers are experiencing and kind of start to open the eyes and show what is happening. Because a lot of times we don't realize and understand things that are happening to others around us because we are all in our own bubble, living in our own world. So I always use my platforms to educate and that is just my main goal. Now, when we saw this conviction happen, it was it was a celebration. There were a lot of Black mothers, a lot of Black people. Everyone was celebrating because we really felt that it was going to go a whole different way. We felt that justice was not going to be served once again, even with the video, even with the testimony, with everything that went forward. There was this heavy weight, I know on myself as a Black woman, just waiting for this verdict to come in, like, okay, is this going to be another situation where no matter what is seen, he is just going to walk? I mean, I think that's what a lot of Black people were expecting. So then to see it come back and see that finally, see that justice was served, the video was there, the footage was there, the testimony, all the experts and everything, to see the system work and see justice be served was truly a celebration. But then it truly became, okay, it's really insane if you think about it, that we have to celebrate when justice is served. Why do we have to celebrate for something that should be happening regularly? But it goes back to point to the systemic injustice, the racial profiling, the racial injustice, the injustices that happen within the criminal justice system and the reform that is needed on so many levels, so many different platforms, so that we can really start to get those things that should be happening. I mean, what we're asking for, what we want to see is Black people treated the same way as white people, as other people. We just want justice, and that's what it came down to. And to see the criminal justice system play out the way it was designed to play out when there's evidence, when there's a video, when there's expert testimony, and to see that justice be served was such a relief. However, in that same moment when we felt that relief, when we felt that joy, you go to social media, turn on the TV, whatever platform you were on, and you see almost at that same moment that we were rejoicing in the justice for George Floyd's murder being convicted, we see that a young girl, a teenager, somebody's kid was murdered, shot four times by the police officer during a fight. And that just really brought us back to the reality of the world that we live in. So yes, we were able to rejoice in that moment and be like, okay, this is a step in the right direction. 
but yet so quickly we were reminded of where we are right now and how far we truly have to go in this whole reform, criminal justice system being reformed, the systemic injustice, the racial profiling, all of that, that quickly we were snapped back into reality to say, okay, yes, this was a victory. Yes, justice did prevail in this situation as it should have, but yet here we are again. Another black person murdered at the hands of a police officer. And this was somebody's child. And not to say that George Floyd, yes, he was someone's child also, and every other person of color that has been killed at the hand of a police officer, they were somebody's child. But when you think about it, this young teenager, teenager, calling police, people are calling police for help. Yes, there was a fight. Yes, you see the footage and she did have a knife. But why deadly force? They were fighting. There are tasers. There are so many different options. Again, I am not an officer. I can't speak to all of that. But what I can say is that when we witness and we see footage after footage of white males that are taken into custody after committing mass murders, after being domestic terrorists, if you want to call it what it is, or even being vigilantes or whatever you want to call it. We sat and watched Kyle Rittenhouse walk down the street with his gun in front of law enforcement, stop with them after just killing two people and make it all the way back home to turn himself in. But yet we have this black girl, teenager, not even a grown woman, black teenager in a fight. She had a knife. Okay, you can tase. Warning shot, whatever it may be, why shoot her so many times? And that is where the frustration comes from. That is where the trauma comes from. And then to hear, oh, they were saving a life because she might have been about to stab someone. Are there no other ways to solve problems? Are there no other ways that it can be done? Again, this is my opinion. This is just meant to educate, but really to open the eyes as to why deadly force, why is it used so many times when it comes to the Black experience, when it comes to Black men, Black women, and now Black children? Why is the end result deadly force? Then before that, there was Dante Wright. Again, a young person, someone's child, who was pulled over. He called his mom, had his mom on the phone, letting her know that he was pulled over for having an air freshener in the window. The mom is on the phone and hearing the exchange and hearing that he is being told to hang up the phone. And he hangs up the phone and she tries to call back, she said, but she was getting no answer, getting no answer. And then finally, she received a call from the girl that was with her son who let her know that the police had shot him. That is what she said in her, in her interview that she gave on Good Morning America not too long ago. This mom here who was just talking to her child, who could hear the fear in his voice from being pulled over, who was on the phone telling him, okay, take the air freshener down, Basically, just do what they say, but yet the end result was still murder. He was still killed, left for dead. Why? That is the question. Why is it always deadly force? And as a Black mother, Black person in America, it is truly frustrating to sit and see footage after footage of officers that are rustling, tussling around with white men, 
who have weapons in some cases. I saw footage the other day. There was one that a white male that had a knife that was actually charging at police officers and they were rustling and tussling around with him on the steps trying to bring him into custody. We see, like I said, the mass murders happening and they're all taken into custody without incident. But why is it always the first reaction to kill when it comes to a black person? Now, in my opinion, from the things that I see, the things that I witness, and just thinking this all through, when there are officers on the scene and they encounter a white person, white child, whatever it may be, they can relate to that person, perhaps see it as brother, cousin, child, etc. There's a relation. They look like them. So they can relate them to someone in their life. But for some reason, when there's a person of color, that relation is not there. That humanity connection, I feel, is not there. Because it is so easy to pull out the gun and shoot instead of reach for the taser or whatever option, other option that may be out there. But pull out the gun and shoot and kill. And to me, as a Black mother, this is truly traumatic. I have teenagers. I have young kids. And it really is a traumatic experience. The conversations that are we're having to have, thinking about the fact with the air freshener being pulled over. My son is around the same age. And it's those conversations of, you were on the phone, you called your mother. Yes, they're telling you to hang up. Okay, I need you to put that phone down and put it on speaker. You can comply. They want you to put the phone down, comply, put it away. But I need to hear everything that is going on. We shouldn't have to have these conversations. We shouldn't have to be in fear every time our Black child, our Black husband, brother, cousin, father, whoever it is, walks out the house. Or every time we walk out the house, we shouldn't have to be in fear that we may get pulled over for something and that may be the end of it for us. Why? And that is the biggest question. Why is this happening? Why are we seeing it over and over again? Why do we have to continue to deal with this? It is heart-wrenching. It is so traumatic. Traumatic on so many levels, but yet we have to continue to live. We have to continue to thrive. We have to continue to go on. But knowing this is happening to us and really not knowing if, God forbid, it can ever touch our doorstep. And that is the scariest part because it doesn't matter how well you raise your kids, how well-behaved they are, how much they follow the law, how much they have manners, whatever it is, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, all they're going to be seen as is that black kid, that black man, that black person, that black woman, whoever it is, that black girl, that black boy, and all that goes out the window. You can raise your kids and teach them to be the most respectful person ever, but because the color of their skin, they're not even given that chance. We saw a Lieutenant, I believe it was, in the army that saved, served this country, who was treated like in, through inhumane ways by officers. He was dressed in his uniform. He served this country, and they pepper sprayed him and treated him like the bottom of the barrel. Why? There's no way to justify it other than the color of skin. And it's sad that in 2021, the color of skin is still an issue through all that we've seen with the Black presidents, Black Lives Matters movement, all these different civil rights movements, everything that we've lived through. 
and people have lived through. We're in 2021, still in those similar and same situations. History repeating itself. It's sad when you can sit and watch a movie or something from back in the day and you can sit there and relate to it today in 2021. As much as things have changed, they still remain the same. And at the basis of it is the systemic injustice, the racial injustice, and seeing people because of the color of their skin and instead and not the content of their character. Why is black skin such a threat? Why? Are you looking for a speaker for your next in-person or virtual event? Well, look no further. In case you didn't know, I, Luan, me, her, she, yes, me, and the speaker that you need to make your next event a unique, enjoyable, and engaging special experience. Whether you need an event host, a facilitator for workshops and or trainings, a keynote speaker or someone to participate in your conference event or panels, someone to help lead your event, be it a social media event, a virtual event, in-person event, small or large conference, or even just to be on your podcast, participate in your Facebook groups or any of your other social media platforms. Look no further. I am here and I am ready to be a part of your next event. If that sounds good to you, if you're looking for someone to come speak about all things motherhood and more, be it productivity, priorities, mom guilt, rising above your obstacles, and so much more, head over to my website, lawanmoses.com forward slash speaking and fill out my speaker interest form. I can't wait to be a part of your next event and I look forward to hearing from you soon. We put on our pants the same way. We all poop and pee if we want to get down to that. Everybody poops, everybody pees. We put on pants the same way. You cut me, I'm going to bleed the same way that you bleed. But why in a situation is the black person always a threat? And why is deadly force used? I know as a mother in America, my heart aches every time. A mother, a wife, all of that. Every time I see another story. Every time I see a black person killed at the hands of police because you just never know, and that is the scary part. My husband goes out here to work at all hours of the night, my son, my bonus kids, my own kids, sending them out in a car by themselves, and I'm staying home. Truly a nerve-wracking experience, or even being in the car altogether. It's so nerve-wracking. However, I do like the rallies that I see that are happening. Everyone rallying together, not just people of color, not just black people. There are white allies that are standing up on social media. There are people of all different backgrounds, demographics and all that are speaking up and saying enough is enough. Something has to change. Something has to break. But where do we start? We can have the conversations all that we want. We can put it out here. We can protest. And even in the protesting, that is being criminalized in some way when that is a right that people have to do. But even in that, it's being seen as wrong, broken up, 
arrests that happens. Yes, of course. But it's crazy how you look at 2021 and see the protesting, the marching and all of that. And then you look at the pictures from the civil rights movement and you can almost intertwine the pictures and change them. They could fit for both scenarios. You look at some black and white pictures from back in the day, you add some color to them and you can think that they were right now in 2021. And that is truly sad. And that is the only way to describe it. It's truly sad. It is unfair, unjust, and something has to change. I believe by continuing to have the conversations, by continuing to put it out there, open the door for communication, the dialogue, that perhaps we will see things change. We will see people start to understand each other, but there's still going to be that group. And a lot of times that very powerful group, as we saw with the changes of laws they just made in Georgia to put voter suppression basically back in place because they were upset about the outcome of a quote-unquote stolen election, which has been proved over and over again that that did not happen. But because that was the rhetoric that was put out there, as soon as this election was over, they marched right into their offices and they put in voter suppression. Let's call it what it is. Bring them back to Jim Crow again, 2021, and we're back in the Jim Crow days, back to voter suppression, back to discouraging Black people to use their voices and do what they, their part, back from trying to block that because they didn't like what happened. Again, this is system reform on so many levels, not just law enforcement, not just criminal justice, the system as a whole. Black maternal health, there is such a high mortality rate in Black women, Black mothers, Black pregnancies. We are hearing more and more about things going wrong in the delivery room for these Black mothers, things going wrong for these Black mothers while they are carrying their kids. There is such a high mortality rate in Black pregnant women, Black women that are having babies. And in this advanced age of technology, why is that happening? Why? We relay it back to the days when it was thought that Black people didn't feel pain. We didn't really experience anything. Is that what it could be related back to? Again, healthcare system reform. Because I believe that some of those thoughts are still out there. Healthcare system reform. This is reform on all levels. It's a system, a whole system that is broken. A whole system, you get to the basis of it, it was never really created to benefit Black people. And that is how I feel. Because back then it was slavery. When all these things were happening, slavery, emancipation, all of that happened. This system was never really designed to benefit, protect, help, protect Black people. But now in 2021, why can that not be done? Why do people not want to change? Why, when you look at the color of my skin, the color of my husband's skin, my father, my mother, my kids, my teenage boys, when you look at them, why is that a threat? The mere presence of a Black person is a threat. And that is why, in my opinion, we see so many Black people, people of color, that are shot down by police.
again, why the deadly force? We saw the young teenager in Chicago, someone's child, person of color, murdered, shot down, killed, young. And you start relating as a mother. You start thinking about your own 13, 14, 15, 16 year old kids, your own 19, 20, 21 year old kids. Your own 40, 50, however age old husband, your parents, you start thinking brothers, cousins, whatever it is, the more stories you see, you start to live in fear. And yes, I have faith. Yes, I'm a woman of God and I pray every day. But when you see those stories, it causes a trauma. And I feel that right now, black people, as always, are living in trauma. Black mothers are living in trauma. It is exhausting. It is tiring. Not only are we out here having to live, we're pursuing dreams, we're pursuing goals, we're going after everything that we want, everything we desire. We are raising kids. We are crushing life. We are doing our best, making money, getting out here and just really changing the script and flipping the script on motherhood. But at the same time, underneath the surface, under all of that, we are dealing with all of this. We are dealing with worrying when our kids and spouses, significant others, whoever, whomever, leave the house. We are dealing with worrying about driving and encountering police. We are worried about encountering whomever. But why? Why in 2021 are things still like this? And that, that's the big question, why? I don't have the answer. I can give my opinion. I have given it throughout this episode. What I see, and I feel it's system reform on a whole, but it doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the ache of knowing that because of the color of your skin, still in 2021, because of the color of your skin, the only reason, the color of your skin, your situation can play out completely different than someone with a lighter skin, a white skin, have two completely different experiences. As you say, when they say perception is the reality, let's walk a white person, a black person through two of the same situations. And I guarantee there will be different outcome. And then to hear the rhetoric of, oh, well, you should have complied. If you comply, then they wouldn't have been killed. Since when does not complying equal death? I get tired of hearing that. If they would have followed the commands, then that wouldn't have happened. If they wouldn't have been fighting, then that wouldn't have happened. If she wouldn't have had a knife, she wouldn't have been killed. If he wouldn't have had a warrant, he wouldn't have been killed. If he wasn't using a fake counterfeit dollar, $20 bill, he would still be alive. Since when does breaking the law equal murder? When does breaking the law equal death? I thought the criminal justice system was designed that you are innocent until proven guilty. You're arrested, booked. You go through the criminal justice system. That is what they've always taught. That is what we still teach. But yet we see so many times when the incident happens, 
that police officer is being the judge, the jury, the sentence maker, the decision maker, and that is the end all be all. That is it. But yet when we flip the script and we flip and look at the experience of a white person, we again see them taken into custody. We see them treated to Burger King, given water, chopping it up, talking, being allowed to go back home and then turn themselves in. Walking down the street with a machine gun having just killed people, stopping having water with the officers and then going home. No one said they didn't do anything. They let him walk because they could relate to him and because they were probably frustrated and tired of being out there in that situation. And they felt in their mind, it was justified. I can't say that's what they felt, but if you're watching it, that's probably what you're thinking. But let that have been a black person walking down the street in that same situation with a gun. They probably wouldn't even have got to the point of killing the two people that they killed. Probably would have fired one shot and been gunned down. Or might not even have made it that far. Would have been encountered, um, whatever, as soon as they appeared with that weapon. The point is, it's tiring. It's exhausting. Frustrating to sit and watch over and over again. Black people being murdered at the hands of police officers. While we watch these same officers take people that look like them into custody without incident for doing way worse things. It's time for a change. The black mother is tired. She's exhausted. She is carrying so much. And I can say that for myself, carrying such a load and really getting through this episode, you could probably could hear the emotion in my voice just thinking about all the things that we just discussed because it is a lot. So not only are we trying to be out here living our best, doing our best, we're also daily educating, preparing, talking our children through situations, letting them know they can't do certain things that they see other people do. And I'm tired. That's what I'll say. However, I'm going to continue to educate. I'm going to continue to let my kids know their rights. And I'm going to continue to pray and cover everyone around me. So at the end of the day, prayer, that that is what keeps me sane. My faith is what keeps me sane. But it doesn't stop us from being exhausted. Being a Black mother in America right now is truly exhausting, truly tiring, truly frustrating. And I just pray that soon brighter days are coming. But for now, we continue to ask the question of why. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, this was a heavy episode to return from season five, but I had to express, I had to say what was on my mind. I'm glad that I have this platform and all of you listening. At the end of the day, we just want to see better. We just really want, as we say, with liberty and justice for all. That is the end goal. There's a lot of work to get there. However, the crazy optimist in me believes that we can get there one day. So again, I thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, share this with everyone that needs to hear it. 
I hope that this was educational and informative and that it really just gives you an insight for those of you that may not be Black mothers, gives you an insight to the experience and what it feels like right now to be a Black mother in America and how important it is for us to continue to build those relationships, to continue to build allyship and have our allies step up because a lot of times when you say something, it has holds a lot more weight than when I say something. So again, if you are not a Black mother or not a mother of color and you are listening to this, feel free to head back and ch check out episodes 31 and 32 that are all about why our allies need to stand up and how there is so much power in strong, effective allyship. I thank you so much for listening and I can't wait to be back with you again. Remember through all that we go through, through everything that is going on, we've got this and we will continue to conquer and continue to win. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and most importantly, share this episode with all of your mom friends. Let's continue to grow our mom community and support each other. Remember, together, we've got this.